0: Remain standing, if you would, and we'll read our scripture verse. Our passage is from Hebrews. We are in the middle of the Winter Grace services, and they gave me a choice, but I said, just print the scripture and I'll do what I can with it. No use having a different scripture for this service. We've done everything else the same. So we are considering a portion of what they'll be looking at in the Another service with Chad Scruggs. Chad is our preacher for this winter grace. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, and we'll only look at the Hebrews passage, it's long enough. <laughs> Hear now the word of the Lord. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. To offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward, since he himself is beset with weaknesses. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also, Christ did not exalt himself to be made high priest but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says, also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son he learned obedience through what he suffered and being made perfect he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek the word of the lord Thanks be to God. you may be seated We're going to work our way to that last verse there, the ninth verse. So I'm going to put it up front. So if I run out of time, I will have already said it. (laughs) It's called preventative preaching. (laughs) Verse nine, speaking of Jesus and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. There's two orders of priesthood in the scripture. One is the order of Levi. Levi was one of the sons of Jacob. He was the one that God designated very early on that he would be the progenitor of the priestly tribe, just like Judah was designated to be the progenitor of the kingly or the princely, the royal tribe. Levi was a sorry individual. If you want to read some bad biography on people, just look up Levi and read about him in the Old Testament. But God had designated him and his offspring to become the priestly a clan. Years went by, generations went by, there wasn't anything really that came of that. Until one day there was a little baby in the bulrushes down in the Nile River. And God was preparing his people to raise up a great leader that would lead them out of their bondage. The little baby Moses was a descendant of Levi. He was of the Levitical tribe. And he had a brother, an older brother, Aaron. And God called Aaron to be the one that would be Moses' assistant, especially in helping Moses with speech, talking. Moses complained that he was not very good at talking so God gave him his big brother to do his talking for him and that's what they did as time went by of course as God developed the priesthood and of course you know Aaron started out rather ignominiously in the sense that while God was giving Moses the law on the mountain Aaron was congregating the people at the foot of the mountain in one of the most dynamic worship services you'll ever read about An exciting worship service, music, dancing. If you want an exciting worship service, you should have been at the foot of Mount Sinai that day. But it was a service that was absolutely filthy, morally filthy, and caused the people to basically shatter the commandments before they were ever delivered the commandments. But God dealt with Aaron. And the story of the Lord turning him into the first high priest of his people there in the wilderness with the building of the tabernacle and the establishing of the sacrificial system. The best description you'll find anywhere about a high priest is found right here in this particular passage. It says that every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. They're basically called upon to do the talking. Aaron was called on to do the talking. The talking, in this instance, to the people, but most importantly, the talking to God. The offering of the prayers and the incense. The priest had two jobs, really. One was to make atonement, and the other was to make intercession. And so God was teaching His people, really, how to approach Him. That's what that phrase there means about coming near. Let us with confidence draw near. Drawing near is coming to God. In that day, God used Aaron and Moses as mediators between the people and God himself. And they did an incredible ministry. The priesthood, the Levitical priesthood of the Old Testament was basically uh, the medical establishment for ancient Israel. They did the healing and the dispensing of the apothecary. They were the doctors in the community. They were also the judicial branch of the government. They heard the cases. They settled the cases. They set up cities of refuge. They administered justice among the people in the wilderness and then later in the land. They were the educational institutions. They were the ones that taught the people the law and we'll see that that Levitical function never ceased all through the Old Testament, even in the days of a descendant, a distant descendant of Levi, Ezra, a priest. The people still were hearing and being taught the law by the priesthood. And then they also established the welfare system. They were the ones that were to establish things that took care of the needy and to make sure that the law and the justice was, was dispensed in such a way that there was equity in the land and nobody starved. He, God's people were taken care of. So there was a tremendous responsibility upon the Levitical priest. When Christ came to earth in his humanity, he was designated a priest. The, the scripture says here that he did not exalt himself to be made a priest. In fact, you had to be, um, it had to be hereditary You had to be born into the office, and that's literally what the word means in the language. He was not born into the office of the Levitical priesthood because Jesus was not a direct descendant of Levi, although he did have relations in that tribe. Remember, his mother was kin to Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. She was a daughter of Aaron. She was of the priesthood. So there was a cousin connection on his mother's side. But Jesus was born into the tribe, the kingly tribe, the royal tribe, the tribe of Judah. So he was not qualified nor called upon to be a Levitical priest. John the Baptist was. John the Baptist functioned as a Levitical priest in his day. Jesus was not. But instead, instead of being born into the priesthood, Jesus was called into the priesthood by the Lord God himself, his own father, when he said, you, out of Psalm chapter 2, one of the great psalms that's quoted often in the New Testament, you are my son, today I have begotten you. God himself had a special designation upon the incarnate son. And then he designates him according to a whole new order of priests, The order of Aaron, spelled out in the book of Leviticus, much of the Old Testament continued throughout that period of time. In fact, continued on into the Babylonian captivity, continued on up to the days of Christ, had been superseded. As is so often in God's economy, great things that God gives His people, He ends up giving them greater things in Christ. No matter what He promised to Abraham, that was literally fulfilled in God's people, Israel, was fulfilled in a greater extent, in a greater way, in Jesus Christ himself. And so it is with the priesthood. The priesthood was exceeded by another order of and It was the priesthood of Melchizedek. You remember Melchizedek back in the Old Testament in the days of Abraham? He was the ruler of a fortress city. And it turned out to be that's the city of Jerusalem. It was later occupied by the Jebusites. But Melchizedek was the prince of Salem, prince of Shalom. He was the prince of peace, Melchizedek. And it was to him that Abraham paid tithes when he came back from that great world war that was conducted when ten nations got involved in a large skirmish in the Middle East, and god had abraham pay homage to melchizedek and it was melchizedek who in the name of the most high god the lord god almighty blessed abraham and abraham and melchizedek sat down to a meal you remember the story bread and wine if that's not a clear, unmistakable designation of the Lord Jesus Christ out of the Old Testament, I don't know what is. This order is an order of priests where a priest is also a king, which is certainly true of who Christ is. He's a priest and a king. We talk often about his kingship, often about what he does with respect to his royalty and his rule and his reign over all things and especially over his people. But he's a priest. The only way that God could ever actually touch his people was for the high priest to go into the holiest place in the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, With the blood of the sacrificial animal, placing it upon the lid, the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, once a year on the great day of atonement. And our passage said that Jesus has superseded all of that. Jesus didn't enter just into the tabernacle and into the holy place and then the most holy place. Jesus actually entered into the veil and the courts of heaven. And when He did, He brought in the prayers, the petitions of His people. Having made a blood atonement, a blood sacrifice for His people on the cross, He then opened the way for His people to come and draw near directly. We need no other priest. No longer do we need a Levitical priest. By the way, no longer do we need a Catholic priest. We need only our Lord. He has made the way for us to draw near. And our prayers and our petitions come to Him. And He is our advocate with the Father. He is the one mediator between God and man. Between God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, the Father, and the people of God. We have Christ and Christ alone as our mediator. In offering prayers for the people, He does so with experience. A good portion of this passage teaches us something about verse 7 says there, in the days of His flesh. When Christ came in His incarnation, true God wrapped in true human flesh, incarnate of true natures, divine and human. In the days of His flesh, Jesus experienced those things that we experience. And that had been one of the qualifications of the old erotic priest, the old Levitical priest. They were, as it says here, uh, they were able to deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward since the priest himself was beset with weaknesses. But because of this, he had to offer sacrifice for his own sin. The old high priest and the priest had to offer sacrifice first to their own sins. Then they were cleansed and made holy before the Lord ceremonially and they could offer sacrifices and intercessions and prayers for God's people jesus was like them in the sense that he identified that closely and by the way it's an interesting prophetic passage here when he says he can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward actually that word dealing gently means to measure out a pathos in other words to have a measured appropriate sympathy understanding The old priest in the the, uh, Levitical order were human. And they knew the frailties and the vagrancies of humanity. In fact, they participated in it. The Bible tells us that Christ was at all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. And that's two classes of people that you need to deal with all the time. The ignorant, and literally it's the word agnostic. The agnostic And the wayward, the one who is straying, the one who is going, the one that doesn't know and is ignorant, the one that doesn't care and is straying, backslidden, drifting away from the Lord. These are the ones the priest has a particular affinity for. Could that be you? Are you in a place where you have scant knowledge of the Lord? You would almost classify yourself as agnostic, not really knowing, not really having decided, not really having determined. And wayward, not having really made the commitment to the Lord. Well, our scripture says here in this last verse is, in being made perfect, He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. The word obey has in it, it's a compound word, but one of the words in the compound word is the word for hearing. Do you hear His voice speaking to you in Scripture and in your conscience as He calls you to Himself? Jesus did have an affinity, and an understanding of our humanity. And the reason that Jesus is the one you want and I want to be our advocate and our intercessor and to open the way to the throne of grace and to plead our case before the Father and to hear our prayers and petitions is because he knows the praying process And I wish we had to illustrate it, but I think if you think of Gethsemane, if you'll think of Gethsemane, if you'll think of the cross, if you'll think of different points in Jesus' life, you'll understand this phrase here. In the days of His flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. There's a urgency, a sincerity, a pathos in the praying of Christ. And when Christ cries out to the Father on your behalf, and hears you cry out to the Father, it makes all the difference in the world. That's why we want Him as our High Priest. The One who has opened the way to the throne of grace. Because when we cry out to the Father with loud tears and, and cries, with, cries and loud, with loud cries and tears, it's to Him who is able to save Him from death. And Christ learned obedience... He learned to walk that perfect life, that life of obedience by way of his suffering. Christ understands the path of suffering. He understands the life of suffering. And suffering takes many forms. It's mental, emotional, physical, social relational, and only could go when we think about our sufferings as human beings. The Lord has been in that pit. He has been that place where you'll read often in the Psalms where David found himself. The Lord was beset, mocked, ridiculed, stressed at every point, on every side, his entire life here on this earth. He's been through it, and he knows what we're going through. And he will be there to hear our loud cries and tears.